Hello and welcome to the Let It Ride podcast coming to you on a Thursday night just one week away from the kickoff to the NFL season. The defending Super Bowl champion Rams hosting the Buffalo Bills should be a great game to kick off the season. Cannot wait for that. Tonight we are finishing up the offseason series where we have given out season win totals on every team in the NFL, closing up with the NFC East, the best division in football. Maybe not the best division of football as far as roster talent goes, but it is the best division of football as far as rivalries go, as far as the you know the shit talk goes, and as far as the fandom goes. The, the best fans in the league reside in the NFC East. We love to give each other a hard time. But at the end of the day, I wouldn't want to root against any other fans. I love being a fan of this division. And since it is the last episode, we are going to have not one, not two, not three, but four guests tonight. One for each team. We're going to have Joey DeBerry join me to break down his New York Giants. My friend Jesse Doughty is going to join me to break down his Washington Commanders. Jordan O'Donnell is going to join me to break down his Philadelphia Eagles. And Josh Walker is going to join me to break down my Dallas Cowboys. So this should be a great episode. Really hope you guys enjoy this one. All right. Welcome into the show. My brother-in-law, Giants fan, Joseph DeBerry. Joey, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, Jeff. Thank you again for having me on. Well, we are wrapping up the off-season series as we break through the divisions. And this is a special episode because rather than have one guest on to talk about the entire division, I'm talking to individual guests solely about their team. So you're going to kick it off here with your New York Giants. Awesome. I appreciate it, sir. Thank you. (laughs) So uh, an interesting off-season for you guys, obviously firing Joe Judge uh, and firing David Gettleman as well. Uh, you revamped the offensive line, adding Mark Glenaski, John Feliciano. You draft Evan Neal, Joshua Izzuto. So basically four new offensive line starters next to Andrew Thomas. Uh, it projects well for your offense. You have a healthy Saquon Barkley, a presumably healthy Kadarius Toney, a healthy Sterling Shepard. You draft Wandale Robinson. M- maybe you get something out of Kenny Galladay, but even if you don't, there's plenty of weapons around him. All that being sure. said, none of it means anything. If Daniel Jones doesn't finally live up to his first round billing, and I got to tell you, I just don't see it happening. What are your thoughts there? Uh, Jeff, man, it's just, it depends on how I wake up each day is how I feel. Am I feeling optimistic towards Danny Jones or am I not? And um, I mean, I'm hoping he has a career year and things come together and we retain him and we're not drafting a quarterback next year. But um, if you want me to be a realist, um, I don't think he's the one. Um, I'm hoping he has a good year, but um, I'm not expecting much. My expectations are low, sir. Yeah, I I've um, been low on Daniel Jones from the beginning. I have not ever. You have said that the, from yeah. from the jump. I will call that. <laughs> I, I regularly call him Danny Pennies. Uh, my my friend Jordan, who's going to join me later in the podcast, is a huge Eagles fan. He despises Daniel Jones. He makes my hatred of Daniel Jones uh, look very mild. So uh, the listeners will hear that. Ouch. <laughs> later on, yeah, he is. Uh, he's not high on him. Um, to the Giants' credit, they have passed on QB the last two years, and I think that's less in belief of Daniel Jones and more so that they're like, we don't want to compound the mistake of drafting sure. another guy that we don't believe in. And, I, and they passed on Justin Fields. They got an extra first round pick out of it, which was great for them because it led to them getting Evie and Neal and Kevon Thibodeau this year. Um, we talked so about far the it's offense. looking like a good decision so far. If you've seen Fields thus far. 
Absolutely. And uh, if, if you look at that defense, too, uh, you add Thibodeau to a defense, it looks halfway decent. You have Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, uh, Aziz Adjulari, who drafted last year, I think looks fantastic. However, in the secondary, I do have some questions. You lose James <laughs> Bradbury. Uh, do you think Adoree Jackson is uh, ready to be a number one quarterback? I'm, I'm hoping he is. Um, he's getting paid the money to be one. Uh, we're short Bradbury. We're short Logan Ryan. It looks like it's just Dory Jackson and a bunch of um, unproven youth back there. So <laughs> I hope he's ready. We, we shall see. It remains to be named. Yeah, I do like uh, a couple of pieces of your secondary. I do like I love at safety and also like Xavier McKinney. So your safeties I like. I'm just not really sold on your corners. I thought maybe you would have gone that direction in the draft. Uh with the, with the two high picks that you had. But as it broke out, like I said, I like Devin Neal. I like Thibodeau. And if you're still a rebuilding team, I don't think you guys are going to be competing this year. If you look at your over-under win total, uh, it's sitting at <laughs> seven. You're plus 800 to win the division. So Vegas not expecting a lot. A generous seven, I might year. say. A generous yeah. seven. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't see that happening, especially after a 4-13 and season last year. I think yes, firing Joe Judge might be worth two wins. I'm not sure if it's worth three or even or the four that you're going to need to get to the over. And I like, um, as I said, I, I like Joe Schoen, your new uh, your new general manager, and I really like Brian Dayball as well. But I just think they had their work cut out for him, man, because uh, Judge and Gettleman just really they they burned the place down on their way out, like just just really hamstringing this team with the cap. Uh, the one good thing you could say that they did do is leave you with the two first-round picks this year, and it was some nice building blocks. And I just think you're a couple of years away. I, I will completely agree with you. I'd say the state of the team uh, that was given to Schoen, um was not desirable, but we're moving in the right direction. I think um, this year will tell a lot. Um, I think Kayvon Thibodeau is going to be a star, possible defensive rookie of the year, sitting there opposite of Aziz and Wink's new defense. I'm really looking forward to that part, but like you touched on, secondary is super scary. Yeah, especially when um, you're a team that it, you're not going to be exactly lighting it up on the offense side of the ball. At least I don't think so. Maybe the weapons are there. I don't see Daniel Jones doing it. So you could find yourself behind. Uh, and being behind with Daniel, if you have a bad secondary, you could fall behind early, often, sure. and then you have Daniel Jones trying to come back in games, and that's going to lend itself to turnovers. And you can find yourself in some ugly games this year, but – if if Danny Pennies can turn into Danny Dimes, then maybe you can have something going <laughs> There's up. no more excuses for him. Right, there is the no Jeffrey. more excuses. He's got Kadarius, yep. Tony, Wandale, Robinson. What, Kenny Galladay, did he, he didn't even catch a touchdown last year, bro. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> Sterling Shepard's still there. They me. kept Slayton. Like, yeah. you got guys to throw the ball to. Tight end is abysmal yeah. there. What is it? Uh, Bellinger. You're starting. Uh, yeah, Ricky Seals, John. Starting a third kept, round rookie uh, there. The gentleman from the Houston Houston last year was it Aikens. I think Something. we have him as well. Okay, you would know better than me being a uh, being a Giants fan. I I am not sold on Kenny Galladay. I went through your weapons. Like I said, if you could get anything out of Galladay, he's just not the kind of guy that ages well. He never really got separation. He was a very physical receiver, and guys like that. I mean, I just I'm not sure if he still has it. Um, like I said, he never really created a lot of separation. So the second he loses a half a step, he's I mean. Maybe you could line him up at tight end. He could do something. But I think he, I just, I think he's done uh, as far as being a productive wide receiver. But uh, with Tony, with Shepard, uh, with Wondell Robinson, the pieces are still there. So, like you said, no more excuses for Daniel Jones. Uh, yes, it's sir. time to shit or get off the pot for him. And the good <laughs> news for you guys is if you do have a top 10 pick this year, uh, this is the year that you want to be drafting a quarterback. We'll talk about that after we go through your schedule. You start the season at Tennessee, home oh, for yes. Carolina, home for Dallas. 
home for Chicago. Now, you have two winnable games in there. I think you probably lose at Tennessee. You could beat Carolina. I think you're losing to us uh, both you're games. You're very generous, brother. Uh, yeah. I, I have and, two games, us winning, that I look at all season. <laughs> really? Okay, so just out of these first four, I see two winnable ones, uh, Carolina and Chicago. Then a couple of tough games at Green Bay, home for Baltimore. I think those are both losses. But then you have four real, uh, very winnable games here. You're at Jacksonville, at Seattle, a bye week, then home for Houston, home for Detroit. Uh, if you had a serviceable quarterback, I think that'd be a 4-0 stretch there. But as yeah, it is I think with Daniel Jones, uh, maybe 2-2. Two and two. That's going to be the time around the season. You know, right after the bye week, we're going to find out if things are, are gelling with Dabble and how things are going. And we'll see. Maybe – shoot and will surprise me and i'm not going to say playoffs but maybe it will surprise me with seven wins <laughs> uh, unfortunately after that stretch the, the road does get a little more difficult you're at dallas home for washington which may be a winnable game home for philadelphia i am incredibly high on the philadelphia eagles as much as i hate to admit it uh you'll find out later in this podcast they're actually my pick to win this division at washington at minnesota both should be tough games home indy another tough game than at philadelphia uh, this is really tough for me to get you guys uh, over seven wins. You have that easy four-game stretch in the middle. You have the, those two winnable games uh, in your first four. But those are really the only six games that I could see you winning. Maybe you still still won against Washington or against Dallas or against Philly. But I cannot see this team uh, maybe a 6-11, and 11, maybe 7-10 and 10 for a push. But I cannot see them getting to 8-9, to and nine, which you would need for the over. So my bet is going to be on the under here. Sure, I will. Uh, I'll agree with you, Jeffrey, one hundred percent. I'm expecting five or six win team this year. I'm hoping it's not worse than that. I mean, if it is, let's draft a quarterback and take another ride. <laughs> well, if you're not, if you're not going to make the playoffs, you might as well just bottom out and have that top pick. Uh, and this is the year to have it. Uh, of course, you guys were talked in discussions to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. Those talks have, of course, cooled down. So I'm not sure that that's going to happen. But when you look at this draft, as I said. The Giants have passed on quarterback two straight years, and good for them because the guys have not been there. They pass on Justin Fields, and that's looking like a solid move so far. Um, the the one mistake I can say that I think that they did make, uh, and this is, of course, when Dallas traded with the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles jumped the Giants. Uh, oh, yeah. Dallas trades back. Uh, Philly jumping up the draft, Devontae Smith. Dallas trades back. The Giants trade their pick. Then the Cowboys are able to select, of course, Micah Parsons. I think if the Giants had that to redo, they probably draft Micah Parsons themselves. Nothing like Lawrence Taylor 2.0 back in his old stomping grounds <laughs> with, the, with the Giants. But I just wanted to rub your nose in that a little bit. My, my Cowboys no, ended up with a generational talent. <laughs> and um, kudos to them for, I mean, drafting drafting well. I mean, Gettleman couldn't get it done, and, and we're ready to move along, Jeff. It's old yeah. talk. We're under the new talk. So, so – uh, Flash forward to this year, the Giants, yes, they trade back and they end up with uh, Kadarius Toney, which, you know, a controversial pick. We'll see what he turns into. But as I said, you do get two first-round picks this year out of it. You draft Th uh, Thibodeau, you draft Evan Neal, and it's looking pretty good. As yes, far sir. as next year goes, if you do end up with another top-10 pick, there are four studs coming out of the draft. Uh, the top of it, you, everybody knows C.J. Stroud. He's kind of like your Joe Burrow type, but he's actually more like a bigger, stronger arm Joe Burrow. He has all the tools, all the accuracy, uh, should be an incredible NFL quarterback. You have Bryce Young out of Alabama. He's kind of a Russell Wilson type, uh, kind of a diminutive guy, 
has speed, but doesn't really use it in the way like a Kyler Murray or a Lamar Jackson does. Uses it more like a Russell Wilson to get around, move around in the pocket and find guys open downfield. You have Will Levis coming out of Kentucky, and he's kind of that Dak Prescott type, like doesn't really have that one huge thing that you could point to and says, oh, it's great arm strength, it's great accuracy. He's kind of just really good at everything, but not great at anything, but still uh, should be a solid quarterback in the league. And then the guy that most people are attaching to the New York football Giants here is Anthony Richardson out of Florida. And the reason being is that he's being compared to Josh Allen. Now, when you go through all the quarterbacks, I just, I just said, okay, Josh Allen's the best one of those quarterbacks, so that's the guy you want. Not so fast on that. People <laughs> seem to forget Josh Allen was a project. And a lot of times those projects don't come to fruition. But the offensive coordinator that completed that project that was Josh Allen is Brian Dayball, your current head coach. So – I think uh, Anthony Richardson could be uh, a marriage that works out next year for your for your Giants. Sure. I mean, all of those marriages sound tantalizing and, and wonderful, especially the C.J. Stroud marriage. But um, we're still giving Daniel Jones a little bit of a shot here. The seat's not all the way pulled out from under him, right? <laughs> yeah. Now, I think that uh, – I don't think you guys are going to have a shot at Stroud just because I think – like you said, I don't think the Giants are the worst team in the league. I, th- I think you, I think you're right on. I think you finished 5-12. We're five really close, yes, sir. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. I'm 5-12, 6-11, and I could definitely see. That would put you drafting around the 6, 7, 8 spot, which is where Richardson is projected to go. You would have to have the first or second pick to get uh, C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. Yeah, and then Will Will Levis and um and Richardson are kind of that next tier that you're gonna see go in like the six to seven range. So I I, I think that's uh, who you're looking at getting. And if I was you, I wouldn't be too upset with it. Now, if you're not in position to draft one of those guys, that means Daniel Jones did well, and maybe you have your QB of the future in that way. Or it also could mean that Tyrod sure. Taylor came in and lit the world on sure. fire. Sure, and then we have to hammer out a deal with Daniel Jones. And shoot, I'm, I don't know if I could give him more than a one year flyer. You're gonna have to show me it again. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, this this division is so weird. Uh, I mean, of course, you had your, your team almost win it with what uh, set six, seven wins a couple of yes, years sir. ago. So this division could definitely be a crapshoot. You could win it and get to the playoffs. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you have a bright future, particularly at the quarterback position. So <laughs> I, I there's not much Daniel Jones can do short of like becoming a pro bowler MVP candidate type of guy. That's going to make me think that he could be the QB of the future. I think this is his last year. I think you're moving on after this year. You seem to be a little more optimistic than me. But I, I think, think that's down, just the realization. Know. I think for, deep down, you know, you Giants. Know. Yeah, Giants fans, we hold <laughs> on to things a little bit more. We think we are better than we are, obviously. And Daniel Jones is better. But when I look at it from the, the real perspective. I don't yeah. think he's, he's the one. <laughs> well, now, now, see, there's a difference between, like, your last quarterback holding on to Eli Manning a year too long. You owed him that. He got you two Super Bowls. That's one thing. Holding on to Daniel Jones, who's never done anything for you. Sure, we owe I him think nothing. It's a, 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 you owe him nothing. I think you're, I'm pretty sure the, you're, the only, you're the only team that has not won the division uh, since he joined the team. Uh, this division has not been won in consecutive we- years since 2002. So it's been, wow. Yeah, so it's been passed back and forth, but the Giants have not been there. Uh, they, I think they're the longest drought right now, and I think you could point right to the quarterback position and blame that, and it's been Daniel Jones for the last four years. I'll agree, and I think uh, Saquon has that bounce back year. I'm really hoping that uh... – he, he hasn't lost a step, and um, we bring that elite back with Daniel Jones. Again, no excuses, Jeff, no excuses. Now, do you, now a, lot, a lot of people are – Saquon is one of the more um, polarizing – It's a polarizing people. topic for sure, yes, for, sir. For fantasy purposes, uh, are, do you lean more high side on him, or are you more the low side? Um, I think that he's going to have to have his workload managed at first, and you're, you're not going to be expecting this rocket shot out of the cannon. 
um, week one, but um, I think we'll get there with him. But temper your expectations with fantasy, and he's not going to be one of the first backs drafted. On so if you're if you're on the clock in the second round of your fantasy draft, and uh, Saquon Barkley is second there. round, yes, sir, second uh, round, but not him. first round. Okay, so that's no, that's about where round. he's getting projected to go. So, so I. It really depends on who's around him. There are other guys like Aaron Jones, who I'd be a little bit higher on, who a lot of people are are seeing fall to the second round. I'd rather have a guy like that who I've seen, have, you know, more recently have the workload and give me the production than Saquon Barkley, who's who's a couple sure. of years coming off an injury. But I will say, uh, last year, a lot of times people are like, "Oh, this guy's back. He's he's back from his injury. He's ready to go." That first year back from an injury is usually not very good. It's the second it's year back. Comfortable again, getting your sea legs back. Yeah, it's again. the second year back uh, from those injuries that really uh, guys turn it on. You look at Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup was two years removed from a, from an ACL last year, so you can have those historically good seasons. I think Adrian Precisely, Peterson. That's a great comp right there. Yeah, Cooper I think Cup, yes, Peterson coming back nine months after a torn Achilles kind of just like threw everyone for a loop. And they're like, oh, yeah, this He's is what unreal. guys can do. It, that's <laughs> unreal, not what dude. people can do. Yeah, mo- like most normal human beings can't do that. They need, a, yes, a, a full year to get back into shape to get on the field. But it's really f- a full two years before you're really, truly back from that injury. And Saquon sure. is there now. So so we'll I see what we get out of him. But with Saquon, too, um, sorry, I didn't mean to cut in some more. No, yet, you're good. But, um, I mean, Dabble likes to throw the ball to the back if you look at Buffalo. He never had a really elite back. What They were Hoss around Zach Moss, uh, Singletary, who also is the backs there in Buffalo. But um, he, he never had a, uh, something of Saquon's stature back there. So I'm hoping maybe that could change things as well. Uh, well, we shall, uh, shall see. Joey, anything else you wanted to touch on about your Giants before we hop off? No, sir. Um, I appreciate it once again, Jeff. It's always a pleasure being on here with you and chatting with you. So anytime you'd love to have me, I'll be here. Sounds good, man. Thanks for coming on, and I will talk with you later. All right. Thanks, brother. Welcome back. Joining me now to talk about the Philadelphia Eagles. You know him from the Powerhouse Athletic. You know him from the Sitting Courtside podcast. My friend Jordan O'Donnell, formerly known as the King of Takes, now known as Joey Overs. Jordan, how's it going, man? It's going great. And I'm happy I made that name change now that you said my name out loud again. <laughs> Oof. You know, the, the King of Takes was a really fun bit I did for a while to just, like, eat at uh, one of the other guys to do a podcast with, Dylan Madden. And the more I heard people say it out loud, the more I'm like, man, I sound like a terrible person. I need to figure <laughs> out a new name. <laughs> well, your your personality doesn't match the, uh, like, if I, you could kind of tell it was ironic, to just the way that you carried yeah. it. You weren't, you know, you weren't kind of a douche about it. Like some people would be like, oh, I'm the king of takes. You, you were you're yeah. a good sport about it the whole way, I think. Oh, thank you. So we are here to talk about your Philadelphia Eagles, and it pains me to my core to admit this as a Cowboys fan, that I am incredibly high on your team this year. Uh, every hole that you could think of from last year has been completely filled. You could say, oh, we don't really have a number one wide receiver. Bam, you add A.J. Brown. Oh, the secondary is kind of weak outside of Darius Slade. Bam, you add James Bradbury and C.J. Garner-Johnson. Uh, you add Jordan Davis, N'Kobe Dean off of the Georgia defense in the draft. I've loved mm-hmm. every single move you guys have made. Uh, are you as high on your team as I am? So th- I'm going to say this. I have been all in on this Eagles team through the years. And anytime we think we have something, we end up having nothing. Many people might remember, I think it was like the 14 season where we had like every big name on planet earth and ended up winning yes. like seven games. So yes, I think this team is capable of making a deep run, but I'm going to 
maybe the only Philadelphia fan on planet Earth simmer my expectations just so I don't get my heart ripped out like I have many years before. Yeah, I think the difference between this team and, and the – I remember uh, Vince Young called them the dream team. Uh, they, I yes, remember they, they exactly. signed guys like Nambi Asamoah. I think Asante Samuel might have been on that team. The difference is yeah. there, was, there was a lot of stake – or a lot of sizzle and no stake, excuse me, with that team. I think that's the opposite of what you have here. Uh, both lines on this team are absolutely loaded. Jordan Mailata, Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson, mm-hmm. uh, Jabril Cox, Brandon Graham. Oh, not Jabril Cox, excuse me. That's our guy. Fletcher Cox, Brandon Ga- Graham, Josh Sweat, Jordan Hargrave. Uh, you had Jordan Davis to that front line. You have like very deep on both lines, and I think that's the way to build your team. I think this has been done the right way. Yeah, I, so I do agree with you on that end. Like, I think the, the line, as long as it stays healthy, we've had three years in a row of this offensive line being touted as like, oh, it's going to be the best offensive line in the league. Inevitably, somebody gets hurt. I'm going to knock on wood on that one. But I think the biggest thing we did is the draft. Like, the players we got in the draft, are, I'm still shook that we got the guys we got. I think that's really the biggest deal for us. If we can continue to draft like that and not do, like, the Jalen Ragers of the world, this team will be a tough out, uh, and your Dallas Cowboys are going to just hate every second of it. Uh, I tell you, I am nervous. Right now, Philadelphia Philadelphia going off at plus 150 to win the division, over-under sitting at nine and a half. And the Sharps were all over your Eagles. Uh, this line opened uh, when the division lines came out. Philadelphia was plus two-something, and the Sharps were all over that. They bet it down to Philadelphia plus 150. Dallas sitting now at plus 135. So Dallas still favored. To me, I think it's more of a coin flip, and that's coming from a Cowboys fan. Uh, we, we've mm-hmm. hit on it. I just love what your Eagles team has done. You talked about the draft. You add Jordan Davis, and then you add – essentially, you flip one first-round pick for A.J. Brown. You flip another first-round pick for a first-round pick next year. Then you get another guy who was projected to be one of the first round of the Kobe Dean falling to the third. So, uh, you guys are just killing it. Howie Roseman, he kind of sat on the back burner for a little bit. Everybody was praising him for that Super Bowl roster he put together. Then he kind of took some criticism for over a couple of years, but I think he's hit a home run this offseason. Yeah, well, and it's his M.O. He can't go a single draft without making trades. I think he treats the Eagles sometimes like a Madden team. <laughs> but it's it, hopefully it works out this time. Uh, I think that it will. We'll get to your schedule real quick. Uh, the over-under sitting at nine and a half. That is juiced uh, to the over. Yes. But but I will say on Caesar Sportsbook, there is a different bet. Uh, you can get a team to win 10 or more games. So, oddly, your over-under sitting at nine and a half, juiced to 140. But if you just change tabs and go to win 10 games or more, you can get that at plus 100. So mm-hmm. shop your bets around because uh, these sportsbooks have, have some hidden things like that you can take advantage of. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're an absolute square probably if you just don't take the bet over nine and a half just because, like, yeah, it's juice. But, like, at this point, with 18 games, not winning 10 games would be an absolute disappointment for this team. Yeah, and you can sit here and say that, oh, they had that really bad game against Green Bay, uh, excuse me, against the Buccaneers last year in the playoffs. And it's like, okay, yeah, that is one game where Jalen Hurts is outmatched. Um, you have a team that could get, get pressure with four. And on the other side of the ball, you have an otherworldly quarterback. <laughs> so you go through the quarterbacks who are just better than Jalen Hurts. There's maybe about nine of them. I think you could say Brady, Mahomes, Rodgers, Allen, Herbert, Burrow, Lamar, Stafford, Wilson. So those are your top nine quarterbacks in the league. The Eagles have one game against those nine quarterbacks, and that's week 12 against Green Bay. Uh, You have a pretty weak schedule of quarterbacks. Uh, You start at Detroit, home Minnesota, at Washington, home Jacksonville. I think you could easily start three and one there. Uh, You're at Arizona against Dallas. I think you split with us this year. Then you're looking at a bye week. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, the last couple of years we've kind of owned you. <laughs> I, we've kind of owned you, but I think that's going to come back to earth a little bit. Uh, home Pittsburgh, you could probably looking at an easy win at Houston, Washington. I think you're going to sweep them at Indy. I think maybe you could lose home Green Bay is a toss up. Home Tennessee, they're going to have a down year, and then two easy wins at the Giants, at Chicago, at Dallas, maybe a loss there. And then you close out home New Orleans and the Giants. I've got your team going eleven and six, maybe twelve and five. I'm going way over on this one. In fact, I like the alternate line of plus one seventy going over ten and a half here. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with you. And, and honestly, you, you talked about quarterbacks. That's the only thing keeping me back from thinking this team is like a 13-win team because, like you said, the schedule is. It looks about as easy as it gets in the NFL. But Jalen Hurts, I'm not sure if he knows how to throw anymore because <laughs> last year, towards the end of the year, he, he looked like he had the yips. The, like the rest of the, it was it was terrible football to watch. It was literally made me sick to my stomach. And this is my hot take that I've been saying about the Eagles. They're going to run a Lamar Jackson Ravens-esque offense, I think, this year. And you'll kind of get that with some of the prop picks I'm going to put here in a little bit. I, I honestly thought that the Eagles were going to go all in with their two first-rounders for next year to try to trade up and get one of the top quarterbacks. But then they trade away one of those to the Saints. And it would appear now, given the high hopes, that we are stuck with Jalen Hurts. So, though you say he is a top 10 quarterback, I think he probably is because of his legs. But I honestly find no value in having, like, three or four great receivers when you have a guy that just can't throw the football. And that's really my only concern with this entire team is his ability to throw the football more than 10 yards down the field. Well, the good thing about that is I don't, I'm not sure how high you are on your backup. I am – the leader of the Carter Minshew bandwagon. I think he is the best backup in the league. So if Jalen Hurts is unable to get it done, I think you have a fully capable guy uh, waiting in the wings. Well, if you want to know, I've not made this public, uh, except for my friends. And I'm surprised, actually, now that I think about it, I've seen you tweet a lot about it. I was actually a Minshew mania guy last year and was like, why do we not play him? Because the offense looked way better with him. I do think now the way the team is built, it's more built around Jalen Hurts. But the fact that Minshew is not starting somewhere – is absolute blasphemy. So I will join you on that hunt for the rest of the year if you want to be like junkyard dogs and just get him a job because he deserves one over at least half the league right now that has one. Oh, I'm all for it. Uh, I, I tweeted out, I'm not sure if you saw this one, I thought especially with the Miles Sanders injury and Kareem Hunt wanting out of Cleveland, I was like, hey, why not a Minshew for Kareem Hunt swap? Maybe somebody's got to throw in a draft pick or something like that. But I think Gardner Minshew could, could take a team like the Browns, keep them afloat for the playoffs, at least for those first 11 games are going to be without Watson. No, Yeah, yeah that's, that would be wonderful because that's also something else Philadelphia has not had in about two decades is a solid run game. Yeah, we keep waiting for Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders, he has those yeah, fantasy believers, and he just like, – he'll, he'll have that flash in the pan. But he just – I don't know if it's partly his ability and partly him just not getting the touches. It just never seems to mm-hmm. to be a consistent thing. Yeah, 100%. So, so we're both on the over for your team, and I'm, I'm assuming you like them at plus 150 to win the division as well. Yes, absolutely. I, like I said, I think the only way that they don't is an injury of some type. It's going to have to take some type of major injury. Elaine Johnson, Jalen Hurts. I actually think that either one of our big-time receivers could probably go down, but I don't think that Goddard can go down. I think he's way too important to the offense. Yeah, I think, I think the only thing on this back. 
Yeah, I think if Devonta or uh, A.J. Brown goes down, I think Quez Watkins is more than capable of stepping mm-hmm. up and filling that role. So we're both very high on your team. We both like over the win total. We both like you to win the division. Uh, is there any player props that you like for your team? Oh, buddy, do I have player props for you? <laughs> All right, do you want me to go list style, or do you want me to, like, say one and then kind of – some of these I've already kind of given my opinion on why I'm taking them. But So the last time you were on this show, uh, the, the big prop that you gave out was Odell Beckham Jr. to win the Super Bowl MVP. And before he got hurt, man, you had yeah. my listeners in track to win a lot of money. So we are all ears for this one. All right, yeah, trust me, you have no idea. I still get nightmares about that one because that was a big ticket item for me. All right, here we go. I got Hurts. Under 3,550 and a half pass yards. Like I said, I don't think he can throw. Even in like today's NFL, I don't think he touches 3,000. So if you find somewhere that wants to like play a little tipsy down farther than that and get better odds, go for it. Um, However, I said he has legs, so I'll take Hertz over 725 and a half rush yards. I actually think he might touch 1,000. I actually think he might actually touch double-digit rushing touchdowns this year. Like I I really think they're going to do the like – Oklahoma college-esque offense where it's just constantly a a pass run option which I will get to here in a second with why I think that too uh, I got Goddard over 700 and a half receiving yards that's just like hammer that one to the moon if he doesn't end up with 700 yards it's because he got hurt he'll be the he'll be the biggest red zone option that he goes to just because again AJ Brown and Devontae is going to spread out the secondary and Goddard all six seven of him is just going to run across the middle on a slow linebacker or like one of those hybrid linebackers and just box them out you know Tony Gonzalez style from you know 15 years ago um I, this is one I think a lot of people find to be a little controversial especially if you are an Eagles fan uh, I got Devonte Smith under 875 and a half receiving yards. I think he's actually going to have a great year, but I'll get to that in a different segment. You said we we're going to cover, uh, and then I got AJ Brown and talk about shopping. I got him for over 999 and a half receiving yards. You can get that on points bet. If you go to like FanDuel or DraftKings, they got him up like close to like one what, 1025, 1055. I literally got him for under a thousand yards. If AJ Brown doesn't get a thousand yards, he was a waste of a trade. Uh, all of those bets. What I like about them is uh, you kind of led into it at first. Is that you like you would expect to see a Raven style offense from this team, and what does that lend itself to? It lends itself to rushing yards from the quarterback, which you laid out. It lends itself to receiving yards from the tight end. You have uh, Goddard in that Mark Andrews role. And then it also lends itself to that one bit, like Marquise Brown, you could say what you want about him. He was still getting the majority of the wide receiver targets. So I think your A.J. Brown bet, he's a lot more talented. But it lends itself to that same style of offense. So I think mm-hmm. all your props are correlated here. So that's what makes me really like that. You kind of have a, a, a season script laid out for all of them to cash. Yeah, and, and just to add to, like, to A.J. Brown, if you're like, well, why would you put him over 1,000 if you think Hurts isn't going to throw the ball well? A.J. Brown was third in the league two years ago, which was his mega year, in yards after the catch. So, like, you don't, he only has to go five yards on the field to catch the ball and then just take off. I think people forget how fast he is and the fact that he's still, I think, what, 25 years old. He's, he's going to be dangerous in the open field. Yeah, and we've seen him put up numbers in a run-first offense, so I don't think, I don't think that the, yeah. uh, the quarterback is going to be any issue for A.J. Brown. So, uh, with all that being said, uh, it, uh, do you have a breakout fan? It sounds like you think Jalen Hurts is going to have a breakout season, but do you have another breakout fantasy player for the Eagles? So, I, I wanted to go with someone that no one's thinking about, and the reason I say no one's thinking about, he's getting drafted in every draft, 
It's just he went from probably a guy last year that everyone's like, I got to grab him in the first like six rounds to because of how things went last year. He's going now late, like 10, 11, 12. Devontae Smith. I think he's going to have a great fantasy year. Obviously, I said he's going to have under 875 receiving yards, but I'm looking for him to do Debo type stuff this year. Now, he won't go like top 10 receiver like Debo did last year because he's just not built like that, but he can do it. We saw him do it at Alabama in that offense, and there's that type of talent around him now. And with A.J. Brown probably drawing double teams and then Goddard just being a big target, look for Devontae Smith to be the guy doing the round in, doing the sweep, you know, the shovel pass, you know, Andy Reid style, and taking off and getting a lot of production. I searched high and low to see if I could find a Devontae Smith receiving and rushing yards total because I would easily take it for probably over – 1250 right now and i think he's also a guy that'll get probably somewhere between seven to nine touchdowns this year well so you expect to see him use in that capacity in the running game so you said under 800 yards receiving but so you're looking to get three four three to four hundred yards rushing from from the one yeah, this year i'm looking probably 800 yards receiving somewhere between 450 and 500 uh rushing um and it's going to be on like i said like the little like just end arounds and things and i think that's where he's going to get some of those like sneaky touchdowns or he'll be the guy that breaks out like on a long run out of nowhere Uh, he definitely showed the capability to do that in his Heisman Trophy winning season so it would not surprise me at all from him so Jordan we are about a week away from the NFL season and we are all (laughs) gearing up to bet Uh, is there any kind of tips maybe a golden rule type of thing that you can give to the listeners to uh, help them avoid losing money this year so here this is what I got I don't know if you want to call these golden rules but these are these are the systems, I guess is what I'll say, that I'm playing this year. So I'm taking every single road dog that has a spread of plus three and a half or less. And, yeah, that seems like, well, that never happens. Go look right now at the board. It actually is happening a little bit more than you think. Three and a half, only being like a, a road team and having a plus three and a half, the home team is already getting three points for being at home. To me, that makes it a pick em. Take the road dog and you're liable to end up ahead in your unit section. And then sticking with that, it's just a doggy dog type of world this year for me. I'm taking every single dog week 12 through 18. Okay. Reason being for this, last year, if you would have done this exact same thing and just simply took out week 14, you would have been up double-digit units just between weeks 12 and 18. And if you throw in week 14, you still would have been up four and a half units. Uh, that's pretty strong. Um, I mean, if you're if you're hitting at a 52% clip, uh, you're profitable. That would get you there and then some, especially because you're getting the uh, the, the odds, uh, taking the yes. underdogs. Something you talked about that, that you touched on that I wanted to add to, um, those road underdogs. I love teasing those type of teams, particularly if they're sitting at that two and a half. You can buy them up through the three and the and the seven. I like tease, finding two teams like that that are sitting at two and a half and teasing them up to like an eight and a half. So many people, when they play teasers, they only want to tease down. They look at the teams that are six, seven point favorites and they're like, oh, all I, all I need is for this team to win. I think a better use of the teaser is to tease uh, small underdogs up over a touchdown because generally those games are decided by a field goal or less. Mm-hmm. So I, I really like teasing those legs up, uh, the legs that you're talking about, the, the short underdogs. So, 
so hilariously that was actually a bonus third one i was thinking about throwing in here for you but i was like you know what i'll i'll keep it like as simple as possible but you're 100 percent correct the tease is like the lost art of gambling like i hardly ever see anyone tease anymore it's just like parlays 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 and teasing just tease a couple games a point here a point there you know get it in a in range that you feel comfortable but that i think it's a great great strategy Oh well, the the thing I like about teasers is that the guys setting these lines in Vegas are really good at what they do. So you're essentially saying, oh yeah, I think that's a good a good line. I think it's going to land six points uh, within six points of that. So you're, you're in a way betting with the house. Yeah, I mean, in, in a sense, yes. So uh, a couple of great rules. Uh, we're both really high on your Eagles. Uh, anything else you want to add before we get out of here? No, nah, man. Always great to be on the show. Can't wait for NFL football. I can't wait for the Eagles to sweep your Cowboys. And I'm really sorry that Dak stinks. <laughs> I wouldn't say that Dak stinks. <laughs> now, come on now. But I, I, he's no Daniel Jones. I uh, I just had my oh brother-in-law my on gosh. here. I, so I just had my brother-in-law on, on here talking about his New York football giants. And I told him that you're even a bigger Daniel Jones hater than I am. Yes. So I'm going to do a, a selfless plug here for a moment. I also do a pick show for college football. And the guy that I had do like my intro, he listens to another, the other podcast we have and just was like, you hate Daniel Jones so much. I'm putting him also on the cover because you'll probably bring him up at some point. (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. Well, Jordan, uh, anything you want to plug on the way out, man? No, man, just let's do some NFL football. Win your bets. Be smart about it. Don't chase. Other than that, thanks for having me, man. Sounds good, Jordan. Thanks for coming on. And I hope to have you on later in the season. Sounds good, man. Thanks. Take take care. Welcome back. Joining me now to talk about the Washington Commanders, one of my oldest and best friends in the world, Jesse Daugherty. Jesse, how's it going, man? How's it going, Jeff? Thanks for having me. Happy to have you on yet again. Well, uh, for the first time, the Washington Commanders. Uh, You're going to take the field as the Commanders (laughs) for the first time. So first off, how are you feeling about the name change? No... It's it's rough, man. Like you, you know, I mean, we've been friends for what almost thirty years now. So something like that, yeah, yeah. It's been a long time. Um, I'm half Native American, and I never had an issue with the name. But that aside, I didn't like the name Commanders at first. But I'm starting to, you know, learn to live with it. Mm-hmm. Try, trying to embrace it. You know, a lot of family that are in the military and current military and so i'm just you know learning to roll with it it's not 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 as bad as it could be i guess yeah i think it's one of those things too that it sounds kind of goofy because it's new i mean it's it's a name that we're not used to yet and i think over time it'll start to grow on people so uh first things first uh with the commanders we are all concerned about brian robinson uh you're you're pretty plugged in with your team uh when do you think we can expect number one is he going to make a full recovery number two uh when can we expect him back on the football field yeah, so from what I've heard, you know, he had the two gunshot wounds, one in the glute, and the second one went through his knee. And he was lucky enough, didn't hit anything major, no bone, no ligament, no any, tendon, anything. So, number one, that's he's very fortunate for that. Um, from what I'm hearing, you know, he walked out of the hospital on Monday, was in the in the the on Tuesday on on crutches, but. Still, he was there. Um, so they're putting him on the uh, 
the um, non-football related injury list. So I think the earliest he can come back is week five. Uh, whether whether he does or not is a different story. I wish definitely wish him the best speed of recovery, regardless of when he returns to football. But yeah. de- definitely love to see him on the field. Uh, he's he came in and is immediately our running back one. So yeah, yeah, def- it's uh. Talented kid with a bright future for sure. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, and uh, we we like uh, I as well. Even uh, you know, you you put your fandom aside for this for this kind of thing. You just obviously you're just rooting for that kid to pull through uh, unfortunate circumstances there, and we're all praying and rooting for him. So as far as your season goes, I, I tell you what, man, I feel like I can kind of call most of this division. I just talked to my friend Jordan about his Philadelphia Eagles. I feel like they're going to go over their nine and a half. I talked to my brother-in-law Joey. I kind of feel like the Giants are going to go under. I feel like my Cowboys are going to hover right around their tent. Your team, man, I just cannot get a feel. There's so many variables that I'm not really sure which way to go with. Uh, Starting with your defense, of course, two years ago, uh, that defense dragged a one-legged Alex Smith to the playoffs. Granted, it was 7-9 to win the division, but still, they were a playoff team and damn near beat the eventual Super Bowl champion uh, in those playoffs. So do you think that there's any chance uh, we see – that great defense that we saw so much potential from, do you think there's any chance that we see any semblance of that yet ever again, or do you think that's pretty much done? Right. So the the tough thing about it is, I think, 2020, that's the defense that was awesome. I think we had, were six and six, uh, somewhere around the top in interceptions. Like, it, they were stellar. Uh, I think we're going to the 2021 season. They – uh they were, you know, touted as being one of the top defenses going into the season, and then that we saw how that unfolded. Yep. But the it, it it's it's really hard because I, I think a lot of our struggles last year came on third down. Like we we could not stop third down conversions. Whatsoever. Historically bad at stopping third down conversions. <laughs> it, 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 yeah, yeah. It, it's it's rough, and, and to see the same thing, see. <clears throat> Defense shined in camp this year, and then we get to the preseason and we see the same thing come back. Same struggling on third down. And, you know, it's – a lot of it has to do, you know, situational awareness. It's it's going to be the person calling the plays on defense. So, right away it's going to be, you know, Cole Holcomb stepped into that role this season. He's the Mike linebacker. He's going to be the one being the signal caller on defense. Sure. So, um, it – it's really going to ride a lot on his shoulders. I, kn- I know a lot has to do with Jack Del Rio, too. His play calling, his defensive style. I think I really think that if they don't snap out of this this uh, issue that they're having on third down, then it, this could be his last season. Uh, I could definitely see that. Uh, that this, this young core of pass rushers uh, that we talked about, to be in and out of the lineup, he's had, struggled with some injuries. Do you think we see him uh, come back to form this year? I think when he comes back that he will look more the part that he did in 2020. Um, he definitely was having some issues last season. And, you know, I'm, I'm wondering how much if he may have had like a lingering issue that we didn't know about sure. and led to a, a, a full injury later on in the season. But to be honest, I, I don't even think he's the – I think Montez Sweat might be a better pass rusher than him, a, be, okay. a better – better all-around pass rusher now as far as you know stopping the run and everything chase young 
Chase Young may have an edge on him there, but I, I think that our best pass rusher on the team is going to be suited up week one. Uh, will be interesting to see, of course, uh, some depth on the defensive line definitely helps. Now, I mentioned Alex Smith, uh, you know, getting drugged to the playoffs that year. And, of course, you try to correct those those problems at quarterback last year, uh, signing Ryan Fitzpatrick. He, of course, goes out. He's the guy pretty much the whole season. So this year you're going all in on Carson Wentz. And that interesting guy to go all in on. Uh, he's let two franchises down back-to-back years. Uh, what are your hopes for him this year? Yeah, so – our the commander season really stems on what version of Wentz we're going to get this year. Is, is it going to be, you know, his last season with the Eagles Wentz? Is it going to be Wentz of last year with the Colts? Or are we going to get the, the you know, the Wentz that would have been MV, MVP of the league yep. before he got injured? Um, now, that, that's a very optimistic way of looking at it. If we get that version, then we're definitely going to the playoffs. But you know, Martin Mayhew, our GM, he he believes that we finally found our guy. That he he's the piece at quarterback that we've been looking for for years. That yet to be seen. We'll, we'll see. You know, this season. But Wentz Wentz himself believes in himself this season. He likes the offense. He likes where he is right now himself. And uh, if anything. You know, he uh, just bought Jay Gruden's mansion. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, he thinks he's going to be here for a while. Uh, well, we shall see. The problem with Carson Wentz has never been confidence. If anything, it's the other way. It's it's on the other side. And he is overly confident. He just tries to make something out of nothing too often. And that seems to be his biggest problem. His numbers right. are not that if you look, he's he's touted as this turnover machine, but he threw less than I think he threw like seven interceptions last year, and three of them were in the last week of the season. So he didn't really turn the ball over a whole lot. It's just that when he turns it over, it's at the absolute worst possible time. Right. Yeah. Like it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Kirk Cousins while he was here. At least not. You know, I can see Kirk that Cousins now. I can but see Kirk that. Cousins when he was here, the the highs are really high. And then you have some head-scratching moments where you're like, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah a, a lot of that. But you know what? Terry McLaurin has never had a quarterback as good as Carson Wentz. And some, and also, Carson Wentz has never had a receiver as good as Terry McLaurin. You add to that uh, Curtis Samuel coming back, hopefully healthy for you guys this year. Um, I, Antonio Gibson out of the backfield, even uh, while Robinson is recovering. I, I could see this offense – uh, having a huge upside. But like I said, there's just so much of a variable with Carson Wentz. You don't know which version of him you're going to get. So this is a really hard over-under total for me to pick. Uh, you guys start home for Jacksonville. I could definitely see, see you winning that game at Detroit, home Philadelphia. I think Philadelphia is going to be great this year. You probably lose that one at Dallas. I think that's a loss. So I can see a 2-2 two and two start home against Tennessee at Chicago. I think you could win both of those games. Home Green Bay, likely a loss at Indy. Home mini at Philly, and then you have two, three straight winnable games, home for Houston, home for Atlanta, at the Giants. I think you can win all three of those games. Kind of a weird situation where you're at the Giants by week, then home for the Giants. You So you win both of those. You're at San Francisco, home for Cleveland, home for Dallas. Uh, you always play us tough. I could definitely see you winning that game. So I've got you finishing about eight and nine. So I'm actually going to take the over here, over seven and a half wins, but I do not think you guys make the playoffs and I do not think you really have a chance to win the division. So the plus five seventy five to win the division is off the table for me. Oh yeah, I totally agree. It's, it's definitely a hard, the over seven and a half is definitely a hard, 
hard sell just because there's like you said there's so many variables like is the defense going to kick out of this third down situation is Wentz going to show up and be you know which version of Wentz are we going to get so right. it's very very tough I, I I too would definitely take the over seven and a half I'm I'm right there with you thinking we're not going to make the playoffs and definitely not going to win the division yeah, I could. I mean, I mean, eight, nine, nine, and eight. I, I'll give you that just based on Ron Rivera. I think he's a fantastic coach, and I think he's going to do a good job of whatever you give him. Uh, something about your team that I don't think is fantastic: the whole ongoing saga with Daniel Snyder. Uh, do you see any uh, resolution here, or do you think you guys are pretty much just stuck with him? Uh, I, I think if if something was going to happen, it more than likely would happen by now. Mm-hmm. He is just Houdini when it comes to getting out of these things. Yeah. Um, you know, like me or you, if we get subpoenaed to something, we don't show up, then we're in trouble. Yeah, but of course. <laughs> Dan Snyder, you know, money talks, so he he makes his own rules. Um, yeah, I'm just so sick and tired. It seems like every other month it, there's something else about him is taking away from football for us fans. And, uh, yeah, you know, when you get the reporters to start reporting on that instead of how our football team is doing, you know you have a real problem. Yeah. And not just for the fans of the team, just, I mean, I'm not even a fan of the team, just being in the area and having this guy uh, in the public eye. I, he's just a, a gross person to me. And I think it, the, the NFL as a whole and the DMV area will be better uh, if he were forced to sell. But unfortunately it doesn't look like we're going to get that kind of resolution. Yeah, not, not at all. It's we're, we're going to be here until he just one day decides to sell the team. That's what I think we're at. You know what? I mean, maybe they can uh, they can appeal to his his greedy side and say, "Hey, man, come on! You know how much money you're going to make if you sell this team? These things are going for four, five, six billion dollars." Right? Yeah, and it's we all from a ridiculous amount of money, way way more than what they're worth. Uh, Jeff Bezos, please. Yeah, um. <laughs> and, and for God's sakes, build a build a new uh, build a new stadium. I just I just worked the uh, the weekend concert there. That place is absolutely oh, falling apart. Yeah, I, I I can't attend games there anymore. I, you know, I I had season tickets for a few years, and I just from the product on the field and the quality of the stadium, I just couldn't do it anymore. Well, well, we don't want to end the podcast on a negative note, so we are a week <laughs> away from the start of football. It is going to be the defending champion Rams taking on the Bills. Uh, who do you have taking that game down? I, I I like the Bills. Uh, I mean, the, the Rams are always a a tough team, but the Bills, I, I like what they did at running back in the draft. I like what they did really uh, across the board. They had another another corner across from Travis White. Travis White will be ready to start the season, but but it, it, uh, yeah, down the line, I yeah. think it could definitely be uh, uh, Kyer Elam could, could definitely uh, form a formidable duo with him. Yes, definitely. And I, I just think – I don't know, man. I like Josh Allen, too. It's that's a tough team. Yeah. Really tough team. I kind of think this is the Super Bowl that everybody wanted last year, and now we're just – we're getting it on opening night, which is still pretty cool. Right. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure that when they were putting the schedule together, they thought about that. Uh, absolutely. I, <laughs> part of me tends to lean towards the Rams just because the home team tends to always win uh, the first game of the season. Of course, my Cowboys were on the wrong side of that last year. So, but I think this is the first time that I can remember the uh, the defending Super Bowl champion being an underdog, and they're going to be at home. So that's, it should be a great game either way. And I'm excited to see uh, football that counts on TV. Definitely excited. Definitely excited. I can't wait. 
Well, Jesse, I appreciate you joining me. Uh, anything else you want to touch on before we sign off? Yeah, no, nothing else that I can think of. Just, you know, hail to the uh, commanders. <laughs> and, yeah, still just, you know, wishing a speedy recovery for Brian Robinson. That's, that's all I can really touch on right now. Yeah, uh, we're all – as I said, we're all praying for Brian Robinson to have a speedy recovery and uh, and come back onto the field. A talented uh, young player who stole the starting job in camp and uh, can't wait to see him uh, for his sake and for his fans' sake as well. So, Jesse, once again, thanks for joining me, man, and I can't wait to have you on again in the future. Thank you, brother. Take care. Right. You too. Bye. Welcome back. We're going to switch things up for the last segment of the podcast. As you know, if you've been listening, I've been interviewing fans from other teams all offseason, but now it's time to talk about my team. So here to interview me is my co-host, Josh Walker. Josh, how you doing, man? How you doing, Jeff? How you, buddy? Uh, can't complain, man. I am super excited for football. We are a week away from games that count. Uh, the preseason was nice, but, man, it's going to be great to see real games on TV. And uh, Thursday, we're going to have the first one. Absolutely. I can't wait. Uh, we got college football this week, and uh, we got the NFL next Thursday with Buffalo and the Rams, and I can't wait for this NFL season to get started as well. So I understand you've got some questions about uh, America's team for me. America's team, the Dallas Cowboys. I do. I have a couple questions for you. Uh, my first question is, how will the Cowboys replace the offensive production that they lost from Cedric Wilson, Amari Cooper, and injured Michael Gallup? James Washington got hurt during training camp. So how will they replace that offensive production that they lost from injury or free agents moving on? Uh, yeah, and you uh, a huge piece of that you can add, Tyron Smith. Uh, I am deeply concerned about the Cowboys' offense this year. My, my praise is going to go to the other side of the ball with the defense. But I'm concerned about the offense, particularly when you look at Tyron Smith. Uh, when he's on the field, the Dallas Cowboys rank first in the NFL uh, in ex- – in EPA per run. Without him, they are 31st. Uh, they average 5.4 yards per carry with him on the field, 4.3 yards without. Then you go to the passing game. When Tyron Smith is out, teams love to blitz the Dallas Cowboys. Um, Dak Prescott against the blitz with Tyron Smith on the field, 7.9 yards per attempt. Without him on the field, 4.2 yards per attempt. You look at his depth of target with Tyron Smith on the field, 9.3 yards. Without him on the field, 7.8 yards. So, obviously, with that stud left tackle, you have time for guys to get down the field. Uh, just looking at his QBR, his QBR goes from 78 to 47.2 with Tyron Smith off the field. Uh, all that being said, it is going to be almost impossible to replace Tyron Smith. I am excited that they drafted a rookie in Tyler Smith. He is going to start at left tackle. He was going to start at left guard before the injury, so now he gets to move over. We'll see what he's got at left tackle. Uh, Zeke is maybe a little bit overplayed, but he is also fantastic in blitz pickup. He's going to be operating as a sixth offensive lineman a lot of the times. And with the wide receivers you talked about losing, it stinks. Yeah, it absolutely stinks losing Amari Cooper and Cedric Wilson. I think you're going to see a lot of Tony Pollard lining up in the slot, and we'll see what we can get out of uh, the uh, rookie. Well, uh, I'm skeptical that they're going to be able to fill – the production that we lost, but as I said, my um my optimism is on the other side of the ball. Absolutely, absolutely, I can understand that. But that defense, Michael Parsons, Trayvon Diggs, uh, Lawrence, another season back in the grind, so it definitely should be the defense. Probably will be better than the offense. I can definitely understand that. Second yeah. question: 
Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, last year we led the league in points, and uh, people might sit here and say, oh, it's because of the offense, but the defense created a lot of those points as well. We had a lot of pick sixes. So I think uh, that good defense can lead to good offense, and I think you can see some more of that this year. Absolutely. The second question, uh, I'll keep it the offensive thing. The Tony Pollard, Ezekiel Ezekiel Elliott backfield. Uh, what will that rank during the season? Uh, and, and you just said about Tony Pollard lining up as wide receiver. Do you think that backfield will mesh and coexist and get the best out of each other that they uh, that they want to? I do think so. I know a lot of people clamor clamor for Tony Pollard to get more carries than Zeke, but at the end of the day, Zeke's just a bigger guy. He's more durable, and he's also able, as I said, he's great in pass protection. He's great in blitz pickup, and that's a lot of the things that you're not going to see in the stat sheets. And when people see Tony Pollard making these explosive plays, like, yeah, that's all well and good. But there's the little things that Zeke does as a running back that you still need. And I think when you have them as a package, I think it's great. You get the explosiveness from Tony Pollard and you get the reliability from a guy like Zeke. Absolutely. Uh, I think with Zeke, like you said, uh, I don't want to call him a sixth lineman, but he, he, he might be the best running back blitz pickup in the league. Like He might be the best back at that. Uh, yep. So I, I, love, I love what Zeke can do. Tony Pollard lined up as, as a wide receiver. I think Tony Pollard went, went to Memphis, if I'm not mistaken. So he played a little bit of, uh, I call it a scat position, running back, wide receiver, that position. So uh, I definitely can see this, this backfield being successful uh, and making it work this year. Yeah, I'd probably – Go ahead, I'm sorry. I'd probably put them uh, third behind, uh, of course, that duo in Green Bay, I think, is probably number one. And then the, the Browns uh, the, the Browns and Packers probably one and two in some form. Then I've got my the Cowboys do at third. Absolutely. I can agree with that. I can definitely agree with that. Can Dak Prescott the Cowboys not only to the NFC East title, but can he lead them to multiple playoff wins this season? I'm actually going to zig on this one because I think the first question is a no, but I think the second one is a yes. Uh, I was going to get to this a little bit later on, but I guess I'll touch on it now. I am, uh, as I talked about with Jordan uh, previously in the podcast, I am incredibly high on the Philadelphia Eagles uh, this season. They have an absolutely loaded roster. The only hold that they really have is a quarterback with Jalen Hurts, but if he can be a middle-of-the-road quarterback, I think the Eagles are going to win the NFC East this year. However, I think my Cowboys uh, will get to their over-under win total here in a a bit, too. I've got them going 10-7, and maybe 11-6, and and taking a wild-card spot. But I think if they – especially if they can get Tyron – Back for the playoffs, I think Dak Prescott is absolutely capable of winning a couple playoff games. Uh, I see this team, as I said, snagging a wild card spot and winning a couple road games. We've talked about uh, liking this defense this year, and as they say, defense travels, especially late in the season in the playoffs. So I can easily see the Cowboys winning a couple playoff games, getting to the NFC Championship. Absolutely, I definitely agree with that. Uh, I agree with you about the Eagles winning the East. I, I definitely can see that happening, but I do think Dallas. It does set up a better role for them to not win the division and still win playoff games than rather win the division and lose like they did in the first round uh, to San Francisco last season. Yeah, you def- you'll take the playoff success over regular season success all the time. Look at the San Francisco. I mean, that you know they, they'll take that NFC championship run all day. Of, of course, they lost to the team that won their division, but that's beside the point. Absolutely. Absolutely. You mentioned the defense earlier. Can the defense be better in 2022 than they were in 2021? The defense can and will be better in 2022. I love I love the additions this team made. A lot of people are going to scoff at them like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. But you bring in a guy like Anthony Barr who's able to play that will linebacker position. That frees Micah Parsons up to pass rush more often when you have Leighton Van Der Esch and Anthony Barr back there. Um, they have a couple of good uh, D tackles. They're not household names. Uh, 
O.C. Odie Juzua and um, Neville Gallimore. De- uh, defensive tackle has been a huge hole for the Dallas Cowboys defense for probably the last decade, but they have two solid guys there now. Uh, you bring back Demarcus Lawrence, who was a solid player. The only real knock on him was his contract. Now he's making $7 million a year less, making $13 million a year as opposed to $20 million a year. I think he's a lot uh, more worth his contract now and still a solid player. And, of course, uh, we'll get back to Micah Parsons here. I think he's going to be the defensive player of the league. I talked about him getting in back into a more of a pass-rushing role. He led the league in quarterback pressure rate last year, 21.1% of his pass rushes resulted in a QB pressure. He had 13 sacks on 250 pass rushes. That is the third sack rate in the league. Add to that, he can play nickel linebacker. He can run sideline to sideline, play run defense. I think by the end of this season, Micah Parsons is going to be the best defensive player in the league. And when you have a guy like that, he's going to be Aaron Donald-esque. When you have that kind of player, he can just make everyone around him better because he's so good at everything. And everyone else can focus on what they're good at. And I think this defense is going to be incredible this year. They might not force as many turnovers just because a lot of turnovers are luck. So I don't think you're going to see Trayvon Diggs uh, intercepting 11 passes again. But I think this defense will definitely be better in 2022, uh, a top five defense in the NFL. Absolutely. I agree with most of what you said. I agree with top five defense. I think Michael Parsons could be top five-ish, top two or top three defensive players. I think the best defensive player be Aaron Donald just because of how Aaron Donald is. I'm, I'm surprised they, the players ranked Tom Brady number one. I thought they were going to rank Aaron Donald number one for what he did last season, not only uh, doing what he did during the season, but he basically was the Rams' best player. Him and Cooper Cup were their best players in the playoffs. So, uh, And if you uh, look I, at that last drive, too, in the Super Bowl, Aaron Donald's the one that shut that game down, those, those exactly, last two pressures. Shut it down. Yep. Shut it down. We, we completely shut the game down. So, I definitely agree that Micah is definitely on the verge. Micah, I don't know if you saw the top 100 list. I think he was in the top 15. Something like that. I think he was between like 14 and 16. He was up there. He was the highest rated linebacker and the highest rated Cowboys player. Yeah, and the highest rated rookie. I mean, I think he was the only rookie. Maybe he was the only rookie that made the list. I think think Jamar Chase did as well. Okay, well, my bad. Can't forget about Chase. But other than Chase, it was – Michael Parsons and, and Jamar Chase. So that's a that's yeah. We've a talked about this before too. Like if you redrafted, there's a, a great case for Michael Parsons to go first overall out of that draft. He's absolutely incredible. Absolutely, absolutely. You definitely you probably you probably would take him over any that went in his class. Was that with Trey Lance and uh? Yep, Trey Mac Lance, Jones, Justin Mac Fields. Jones, Justin well, well, Fields, well, 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 Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence, maybe like you yeah, still Trevor take Lawrence Trevor Lawrence. Been number one, yeah. But I, that, let me say it like this: Michael Parsons wouldn't have went worse than number two. If they yeah. redrafted today, he would. He, you might. You you make a case. He wouldn't have been number one, but he definitely wouldn't have been no worse than number two. So, he's uh, that absolutely incredible. So happy he's on my team. <laughs> absolutely, man. He's a he's a game changer. He's a game rocker, and I hope. Uh, I wish the Cowboys nothing but success, other than the first week of the season. So I hope Tampa Bay can do a good job in stopping Michael Parsons because he's definitely a problem. Now uh, I know that you considered my next question. I know you considered this a weakness last year, so. Hopefully, over the offseason, this weakness can become a strength. Will Mike McCarthy be better in crunch time situations, game clock management situations this season? You can only hope so. I mean, the de- the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. So, Absolutely. man, if he doesn't switch things up, man, you you might as well just uh, commit him to the asylum right now because th- that's the definition of crazy. Like, he – 
He's got to, he, all he has to do, I mean, it's, it's common sense stuff. It's stuff that if you're a, a kid playing Madden, you know, like, oh yeah, like <laughs> I have to, I have to use my timeouts here and I have to do this here. And I, it just does not make any sense to me how NFL coaches, it's not just McCarthy. I mean, don't get me wrong. I cannot stand Mike McCarthy, but NFL coaches across the league are just so bad at clock management. I can't count the number of times I'm watching, like, say you're trying to get the ball back and a play ends with 242 on the clock. You know, you had the, the two minute warning coming up at two minutes. Play clock is 40 seconds. The play clock is so the play clock will start running at 242, meaning the other team will have to snap the ball at 202 and the play will the clock will stop immediately following the play. Unless you call a timeout at 242, and then you're basically wasting that timeout. I've seen that exact scenario play out and coaches just call the timeout because they have no idea what they're doing with clock management. Uh sorry for that little rant, but I can no, only hope good. I can only hope Mike McCarthy gets better in that capacity. No, uh, he, I'm not he, gonna hold my breath though. No, he actually let me say this. They should have lost the Chargers game. The man made the kicker kick a 70, I mean, not 70, 60 yard field goal. Yep. And he, he, he had a timeout to use. So, uh, the one thing, the good thing about the Cowboys, because uh, it's like, uh, and I know this is all about the Cowboys, I get that, but when, when you know how it is, week one, every team has hope. Like the Detroit Lions have hope. The Texans have hope, even though we know they suck, they still have hope. You feel me? So, uh, the good thing about the Cowboys this year, and obviously last year, week one, they played the same team, is that they'll be on the national stage. So it's not like it's five one o'clock games on. They just happen to be thrown into that. We'll actually get to see if Mike McCarthy has made the proper adjustments and the proper changes to be a better coach this year, especially in the late-game situation. He has to be better. He has to. He can't get worse, that's for sure. Absolutely. Mike McCarthy has to be better with clock management situations, late game situations. I have absolutely, like you said, it can't be worse. If it's worse like that, this, if, it's, if he's bad like that this year, he'll be unemployed at the end of the season. That'll be the silver lining to a bad Cowboys season. Sean Payton, um, 2023. Let's go. Sean Payton, Sean Payton, 2023. The Dallas campaign has already started. <laughs> I see the t-shirts and signs now. My last question for you is, you, you guys have had a revelation this preseason. Kevontae Turpin, the wide receiver from uh, the uh, USFL. I think he won the uh, – did he win the MVP of yep, the league? Yep, the MVP yes. of the USFL, MVP, yeah. MVP of the USFL, yes. Uh, I've seen him the, against the Chargers. He had two uh, returns for a touchdown, one punt and one kickoff. Uh, so, my question to you is for your Cowboys, will he be a revelation for you guys this year? Essentially, will he be able to win you at least maybe will – he, will, will he be able to win you at least one game this season? I mean – teams touchdowns like if you look at teams that score special teams touchdowns they win a huge percentage of those games so if he's able to get a couple of returns I can't see why not I think he's going to be like a Dwayne Harris type of guy who I absolutely love uh, for the Cowboys for years he was our kick returner and he would make some big plays in the passing game uh, every every now and again as well I think that's what we're going to get from him particularly early in the season um, before we get Michael Gallup back we definitely need help at the wide receiver spot so if we can piece together what we can between the other guys, between Tolbert, between Pollard, between Turbin. If we could piece together, it gives us just for the time being, uh, he could be a part of that. Uh, it's, you know, from, from and off the street, you know, if he can contribute anything, it's a plus. Absolutely. I, I think he will be able to win you at least a game this year with his. He's a great return to yep. pick up. Um, with him and the ball in his hands, he's definitely electric. So, like I said, I like him for you guys' team. Uh, and, you know, when you're doing with special teams, you just don't want your special teams to lose you the game. 
I think he not right. Like, he won't only he won't lose you the game. He'll definitely win you a game. So and I hope uh, that he comes to fruition for you guys and shows his value. Just don't want to see that back with the first kickoff of the season going back for a touchdown because that's yeah, no, no, not not not, <laughs> not the first week. He can do whatever he wants after the first week, but that's the first week. Now we not. I hope I hope the, I hope all the Cowboys are calm and quiet, and chilling and whatever. Hope they all you know don't play their best. But I know it, it'll be a great game week one. Dallas, Tampa Bay at Dallas. Dallas will play their best. They want revenge for what happened last year. So I definitely understand that. Yeah. You and I are, we'll be together for that game. We're going to meet up and, uh, and, and watch that game uh, somewhere somewhere in the middle of where we live, and that should be a lot of fun. Yes, man. I can't wait. We uh we definitely will meet up for that. Uh, obviously, we'll disclose the uh, locations and time for all that uh, via text and call. I get that. But, yeah, I can't wait, man. Can't wait to watch the game with you. Whoever team win, lose a draw, man. I'm just glad to watch the game with my boy and have a good time. Uh, it will be a good time. So, uh, as we said, the Cowboys do start week one against Tampa Bay. Week two, they go uh, home for Cincinnati. Then they're at the Giants, home for Washington. I think those first two games are likely coin flips, so i probably see a split. But I, th- I think I see them winning the next two. So a split between Tampa and Cincy uh, beat the Washington. So I see them at three and one. Uh, they have two tough games after that at the Rams, at the Eagles. I actually had them losing both of those, sitting at three and three. Uh, Detroit and Chicago, easy wins before the bye. So five and three before the bye. Then they're at Green Bay, at Minnesota, likely another split. I um, think they beat the Giants. I think they can beat Indy and Houston both at home. I think they can beat Jacksonville. I see a split with Philly, so there's another win there. Then they close at Tennessee, at Washington. Uh, they probably lose one of those games, either through indifference of uh, of already having a playoff spot locked up or or just losing to Tennessee because they're a good team, or even Washington because it's a rival. So I have us going 10-7, and seven, maybe 11-6. and six. The over-under right now is sitting at 10.5, so I really don't want to touch that. Uh, they're plus one. The division. I'm not touching that either because, as I said, uh, I am not sold on the Cowboys winning this division. I think the Eagles – well, I think the better bet is the yes on the Cowboys to make the playoffs, which is sitting at, I believe, like minus 125 right now. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you. I had the Eagles winning that division. Uh, I got them when it was – when Dallas was minus. I got the Eagles actually plus 160. Nice. And I put my bet in for the, for the Eagles to win the division. So, we, we agree on that. Uh, I I do think – I didn't think the Cowboys were going to make it. See, the thing is about this is that I didn't think the Cowboys were originally going to make it. But then when you listen to the schedule, some of the games you actually think they could lose, I actually think they can win. Like, yeah. I don't – well, obviously, I don't think they're going to win the first game. But they, they, I think they'll beat Cincinnati. Cincinnati will take a step back. Like you said, I think they'll be 3-1. and one. They'll beat Washington. And you said they play someone else at the Cincinnati, someone easy. So, yeah, the Giants. they should be 3-1. and one. The Giants, okay. Uh, then you said you might have them losing to Tennessee at the end of the year. I actually think they can beat Tennessee. I don't believe in Tennessee this year. I think Tennessee will take a step back. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you can hear that uh, from our AFC South preview show that we did a couple weeks ago. Uh, I don't think Tennessee will be the same team. So some of these games that you, you think they could lose, they could win and vice versa. So Yep, that's always uh, true. That's actually, always true. I, I actually think Dallas does have a chance of making the playoffs. Yeah. Especially when you look at the when you look at the NFC, when you figure on, okay, the Rams are probably gonna win the NFC West. You're gonna have I think the Packers and Vikings are both uh gonna come out of the NFC North. And then you look up uh, at your division, I don't think I think it's gonna be Tampa Bay. And then well you and then you have pretty much Carolina, uh 49ers and the Cowboys 
fighting for two for three spots, and I don't think the the Cowboys are going to finish behind both of those teams. So I think they're going to get in. Yeah, I I uh, uh, and we'll we'll do this for our uh, NFL preview show whenever that is. Uh, I actually have well, I know it's the preview shows we've done throughout the division, but when we talk about the playoffs and the Super Bowl, I actually have Carolina making the playoffs because I do believe that. They just need a quarterback. As long as Christian McCaffrey can stay healthy, they just need a quarterback. And you obviously know I'm a fan of Baker Mayfield. I think he's a clear upgrade over Sam Donald. So, uh, yeah, that I think – but I don't think Carolina is better than Dallas at this moment. So, I do think Dallas can make the playoffs. That'd probably be a wild card, like you said, because we both have Philly winning the the division. But, uh, yeah, Dallas definitely can make the playoffs. Just off their schedule. And they have – look, don't disrespect the Washington and the Giants, but I I think they can beat Washington and the Giants twice. So, that's 4-0 right there. And if you, I've got, if you I've go, got that happening go, as well. And if you go five and one in the division, you only lost one time against Philly, which we both think will happen at least once because you both have Philly winning the division. So the Cowboys, man, they are like, like, uh, like you said, America's team. America's team will always be in the hunt, be in the race, no matter what. Yeah, even with the step, uh, the step back, I expect to see on offense this year. I think this team is still that. I mean, that defense is just too good. There's too much talent on the team. So yeah. I, I think to not be in playoff contention this year. They have a play. They have a playmaker on every level. I know uh, uh, some of the playmakers might be old the linebacker level, but man, they have solid. Anthony Barr solid. You got the two studs on the D line. Pars, I mean uh, Parsons and uh, uh, Demarcus Lawrence. I expect them to have a, a better season than what he had last year. Then you got Trayvon Diggs in the secondary. So. Yep. Uh, now I do believe he'll get he'll be beat a little bit more than what he was this year because he's a clue corner, but uh, he's still a very good player, very valuable player in his position. So, uh, like I said, you got to let you got to start at every level on the defense. Yeah, the thing about Diggs, uh, his haters want to put like say that he's terrible, and like his fans want to say he's the best corner in the league. And as always, the truth somewhere in the middle. He's a very good Absolutely. player, I think. Absolutely. Let me ask you this: one quick question. Would you take Steph? Would you Steph on Diggs? Would you take Trayvon Diggs or AJ Terrell? Oh, you know I, know I love AJ Terrell. AJ Terrell, I, I think. AJ Terrell is the second best cornerback in the league behind Jalen Ramsey. I mean, maybe Ooh. Jair Alexander, but it's one, two, three in some order: uh, Ramsey, Alexander, then AJ Terrell. I I think he is absolutely incredible. I I like to go back and rewatch games. Um, you know, just it takes twenty minutes to go through and watch the actual action from every game. You can find you can find them on YouTube, the NFL.com, all that. You can go back and watch old games. And I have watched a couple of Falcons games, and like you don't really notice it because the defense isn't playing well, and guys are getting burned left and right. But AJ Terrell's guys just like whoever he's on just gets locked up so often. Um, if he does give up yardage, it's usually in some kind of breakdown where the, the pass rush isn't getting there, and he just the, like you, nobody can cover somebody for ten seconds. So if the pass rush isn't getting there, that's not on the cornerback that he gives up the catch. Uh, AJ Terrell rarely gave up a play like in a normal like if the pass rush was normal in a normal drop back you know drop back three, four seconds and throw, A.J. Terrell was rarely giving up catches. Nah, you know, I see him twice a year because uh, mm-hmm. with Brady. And I'll be looking at him now because I'm a Baker fan, so I'll keep my eye on Carolina. Yeah, A.J. AJ Terrell is a problem. Uh, we, 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 we attacked almost everyone but him. Yeah, Mike Evans had his catches, but it was mainly the Chris, uh, Chris. So when he was sticking Mike Evans, remember Chris Godwin had like 14 catches against Atlanta. Because mm-hmm. I stick him. So, uh, yeah, A.J. Terrell is definitely – I'm not gonna say he's the second or third best corner, but I will give you this: he's definitely a top five corner for sure. Definitely, he's right. he's right up there, and he's got Casey Hayward on the other side. That Falcons defense still isn't going to be very good, but they're going to have two solid cornerbacks. It's going to be a, a problem for a lot of opposing passing offense. Absolutely, definitely will be. 
Well, Josh, I appreciate you joining me, and uh, I'm going to see you again here shortly. We're going to preview uh, week one, and we're going to be together for week one as well for Sunday Night Football, Dallas versus uh, Tampa Bay. Anything else you wanted to touch on before we hop off? No, sir. I just, uh, like I said, uh, can't wait for week one to start. Uh, like you said, we're a week away. Can't wait for that Bills-Rams game uh, Thursday night NBC, and then we'll get the party started on Sunday. Uh, Sunday night football for me, uh, for our two teams, but uh, – We'll be back next week to do a preview show of week one. So can't wait to get that started and can't wait to get that popping. Hopefully Lee Ice will join us. So. Uh, that'll be great. Always uh, enjoy having the dulcet tones of Lee Ice on the podcast. Josh, thanks for joining me, Wayne. I will uh, see you next week. All right, Jeff. You be safe, buddy. Have a good week. You too. Yes, sir. That is going to do it for the podcast. Thanks again to Joseph DeBerry, Jordan O'Donnell, Jesse Doughty, and Josh Walker for joining me. This was a fantastic episode. This is why I started doing a podcast, just because I love talking about football with my friends. So hopefully it was enjoyable for you guys. I will be back later in the week, most likely on Tuesday, to preview week one. That is right. We are just days away from real live football. So likely on Tuesday, we'll have a week one pot up for you just uh, so it's ahead of the Thursday night game. We'll have some props and some good bets for you for that Thursday night game as well. So until then, guys, thanks for listening, and I will see you later in the week.